Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby, and I am joined via phone by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? A little bit tired from that night game. How about you, Dan? Same here. Uh, We had uh, quite the adventure uh, yesterday in New Jersey. Um, Both of us, of course, also had early morning flights this morning. Um, I spent the night at uh, Newark Airport, so that that was kind of my adventure, and had a whole different adventure getting out there, which we can get into maybe some other time. Uh, but we were both there. We both watched Baker Mayfield's debut, and we wanted to talk about it before uh, before training camp got, got back on top of us on uh, on Sunday. Oh my gosh! It was. Um, you know what? I actually really think that he did a nice job in a lot of ways, and and instead of really, you know, going too deep into, you know, the, the points scored and all those sorts of things. You know, the things that I try to look at in a game like this are check what boxes does he check off that will translate over to real football. And I think there were a lot of things that he did that will translate to a real football game. And I'm talking about the accuracy, the way the ball comes out. The arm talent is one of the first things that stands out to me. He's got very, very good arm talent, uncanny arm talent for a rookie. I mean, he has a very natural throwing motion. It's not like they have to, uh, you know, take him somewhere and get a hitch out of there or, you know, shorten the windup or shorten the stride or anything like that. He, he really seems to have a, a very, very good mechanics for, for throwing the football. So I think that's one of the things that stood out to me. Uh, did that occur to you as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the great things to watch about Mayfield, um, you know, and, and we saw glimpses of this at Oklahoma, uh, not, not as many because his offensive line was so good. Um, but just one of the great things to watch about him is the way he manipulates the pocket, you know, the way he, you know, he doesn't look to run all the time. He slides around in the pocket. He doesn't bail on clean pockets. He steps up, he sidesteps things. He finds throwing lanes. He gets his feet reset you know, all of those things, those are the things that really good NFL quarterbacks do. Tom Brady, you know, Drew Brees, who's always the guy people like to throw out in regards to Baker. And obviously he's a long way from those two guys. Let's not get crazy here, but you know, those are the things that those guys do in the pocket. It's not about mobility necessarily. It's just about being able to navigate the pocket and find throwing lanes. 
Yeah, and um, and he, you know, he has good vision, and that's vitally important. Uh, and then he's a good locator of the ball. So not only is it just accuracy, but it's location and things like that. So even when you look at the the David Njoku touchdown pass and just the way that he put that ball where only David could get it, you know, those are the kinds of things that you want to see where you say, you know what, yeah, these are the things that, uh, you know, when you get into a real game and, and it gets crazier and the rush is on and everything is moving so much faster, these are the things that will hold up. Laser sharp accuracy, a quick release, a strong arm, a good, quick and agile, nimble feet to step up and make a throw, to sidestep the rush. Uh, you know, th- these are all things that, that he displayed last night that I thought were very encouraging. And, and yeah, I mean, it's little things too. There was a, a play, it was actually an incomplete pass, um, but, but it was just a play that stood out to me because, you know, he used his mobility a little bit and, you know, he tried to get the ball to uh, Derek Willies, who's a wide receiver trying to make the roster. Um, and it was essentially a throwaway, but it, w- but it was a ball that he kind of put in a spot that, you know, maybe his guy can make a play on it. And if he doesn't, it's just a throwaway and he lives to see another play. Um, but, but it was just, it's, you know, it's smart things like that, that, that really make you, you know, when he came in, he was advertised as the most polished pro ready quarterback of, of this group of top tier guys. And you saw a lot of the reasons why last night. You know, I agree with you, Dan. And here's another thing about Baker Mayfield that I think is one of the reasons why we're seeing a difference between him and a lot of other rookies that we have watched come through these parts and through other teams. And that is, think of all the guys now that are coming out and going into the NFL with 12 starts under their belt, like a Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. I mean, Baker Mayfield has started 46 games in college at a pretty high level, at a very high level of of college. Uh, And, and that's, that makes a huge difference. He isn't afraid. I mean, he went into this game saying, I'm not nervous. I don't get butterflies. Well, he would get butterflies if he'd only made 12 NFLs. I mean, 12 college starts. So many of those guys just don't have this kind of experience. And I, I think it's showing up. Yeah, and he's played in big, you know, he, he played at Ohio Stadium. He played in, in the, the college semifinals. You know, this is a guy that's played in so many big games and, and tough environments. And, you know, honestly, this was a game that didn't start all that well for him. He comes in uh, backed up at his own 10-yard line, almost throws an interception uh, on his first throw. And then really once he kind of settled in in the second quarter on, um, that, that's really when he started to show – what he could do. And the other thing is, you know, with Antonio Callaway struggling in that first half. And again, this is something else that Baker came advertised with. This is something the Browns have talked about his leadership, his ability to get people to kind of follow him and, and stick with him. It, you know, he, he knew that he, he knows that he needs Antonio Callaway. He knows that he needs the second half Antonio Callaway, not the first half Antonio Callaway. And, and he just stuck with him and, and kept encouraging him. And, and that's, those are those leadership traits that John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson talk about. Yeah, and, and those are so vitally important. And again, you know, he has that because he's been through so many of these situations before. And I mean, think about that. To have started 
34 more games than a Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, it just it makes a difference. You see so many more things. You you know how to take charge of a game. You know what you're looking at. You know how to manage adversity. You know how to get yourself out of trouble. All those sorts of things. So I think those are good. Now, I do think uh, that we do have to temper it somewhat. He was playing against second and third teamers. Nobody's game planning for him yet. Nobody's digging into the film to try to figure out what he, what his weaknesses are. Uh, nobody is, is doing that yet. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out some of that stuff. But it looks like right now that, that the Browns are onto something here and that there was a method to their madness. A lot of people questioned this pick uh, because of his height, because of the air raid scheme that he came out of. But I, I think that, that Baker is starting to show that they, they may, have, may have been on the money with this pick. Yeah, and, and you know you're right. I mean, there's been a lot of hyperbole out there today about Baker Mayfield, as as you would expect, because he played really well. He's a name that that draws attention, so everybody's out there trying to get their, their Baker Mayfield takes out. Um, it was one preseason game. It was uh, what was it, seven series, I think, uh, last yep. night on on Thursday night. Yep. You know, and then like you said, it wasn't against first teamers. Um, he wasn't game planned for, he, he didn't face a lot of the complicated stuff you're going to see, uh, in a real game. But that said, as far as debuts go, th- this is one of the better ones that, that I can remember in a Browns uniform. Yeah, I think so. And he was also given the opportunity to get into a rhythm in the game. You know, I mean, a, a lot of times you'll see, uh, the, you know, the younger guys go in there and just play a couple of series too. Um, Baker really had a chance to to get in there and get a feel for the game, for the game, shake off that you know that first drive in which he started out behind the eight ball at the ten. It didn't go anywhere. Two runs and like you said, a pass that basically could have almost been picked off and overthrow to fouls. And um, and he overcame that. He shook that off, and I thought he really showed a lot of moxie on that next drive. A lot of that Oklahoma. Heisman Trophy winning Moxie on the next drive where he was scrambling to convert third downs and scrambling to convert a fourth down and sneaking and, you know, using his legs and using his arms and all those sorts of things. Um, But yeah, it'll be very interesting to see as he goes along here and the intensity ratchets up and he gets a little bit more work against first team because when we saw him go against the first team offense and first team defense, in practice, and he was picked off by Pro Bowl linebackers in those situations. Now, in his defense, he was playing with the second team offense in those situations, and that's like having one hand tied behind your back. So um, I would like to see him get start to get some reps with the first team offense against the first team defense in practice. Yeah, and, and that, that second team offensive line <laughs> was not – was not great. Obviously, there's a little bit of a domino effect because Kevin Zeitler's out. Um, so, you know, but uh, that, that second-team offensive line with Sean Coleman at right tackle, Greg Robinson at left tackle. The, you know, Austin Corbett played a lot of snaps at left guard. Um, he's, he's got some work to do. That second-team offensive line didn't do him any favors, but you mentioned that one series, and, and the, these are the things that you like to see. So he had a third and 18. Uh, completes a 21-yard pass to C.J. Board. Uh, that was, and that was 21 yards through the air. That wasn't a catch and run or anything like that. 
uh, had a third and six. That was when he scrambled uh, for six yards to convert. Converted a fourth yep. and two on a scramble. And then, of course, threw the touchdown pass to David Njoku. I mean, I mean that's the sort of thing. Keeping drives going like that. And Baker's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He, he's not going to outrun a ton of people. But you saw yesterday, again, like, like we saw in college when he uses his feet, he's, he's able to do what he needs to do. Yeah, and that C.J. Board 21-yard pass that you're talking about there on third and long, uh, you know, that was one where he stepped up in the pocket, uh, you know, to, to give himself some space and to be able to see the throwing lanes there. And I, I thought that just got, showed uh, very good pocket awareness and vision on his part. Now, things are going to close a lot quicker. Uh, on, on third and 18, they're going to pin their ears back for him. And they're also going to try to, you know, rattle a rookie and pressure him and you know things will be different when the fur starts flying for real but I think that you know there were plenty of physical traits and mental traits here that showed you that that they they may have made a good pick here so you brought this up um Baker playing with the first team offense Hugh Jackson has been clear all along this is Tyrod Taylor's job we're going to talk about Tyrod Taylor uh, and the starting offense um, a- after this. But, you know, you mentioned it. Baker may be getting some reps with the one, the ones. Is there a way for the Browns, for Hugh Jackson to do that without disrupting kind of what they're trying to do with Tyrod Taylor and, and the stability they're trying to create there? Is, is there a way they can do that without creating something bigger than maybe it is? In other words, is there so. a way to do that without turning this into like a full-fledged, you know, competition? Yeah, I, I think there is. You know, I definitely think that there is. And I think it's the natural progression for a rookie quarterback that you start out and you kind of work your way up the ladder a little bit. And the next step for, for Baker Mayfield is to see how he would be able to operate the first-team offense against the first-team defense. And it doesn't mean that there's a quarterback competition and it doesn't mean that he's going to start the next game or anything like that. But I think um, within the context of work, you know, coming in second, taking the, uh, the second turn at the reps, you can start to mix in a few of the first team guys, just so you can see where your number one overall pick is at and you can see what he can handle. Because the other thing that you have to consider is, you know, he could if he's going to be your your number two, and we don't know if he would throw get thrown in there in the event that Tyrod goes down early in the season. But if he does, you don't want that to be the very first time he ever threw up all the Jarvis Landry. You know, I mean, you you've got to start uh, expanding his horizons a little bit and giving him an opportunity to throw to those guys. You know, I do wonder if there is something they could do on on Friday against Buffalo. You know, especially because, you know, Tyrod Taylor ran the offense really well. You know, could they come out against Buffalo and say, hey, you know what? We only need to play Tyrod Taylor one series. That's all we really need. We know what he's capable of. These guys got a score last last week. He's going to play a bunch in game three. You know, play Tyrod a series and then bring Baker in a little earlier and let him get maybe a series against Buffalo's first team defense. I mean, it seems like something like that would be reasonable. I don't know that they would do that, but, you know. I, I could see something like that. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever seen in the world, but I do think 
that because you have, uh, you know, this is not Aaron Rodgers running the Green Bay Packers offense that he's run for a million years. Because you have Tyrod Taylor running a new scheme, Todd Haley's scheme, and because you've got uh, him surrounded by all new guys that he's never played with, and all of those guys are learning brand new terminology and a new offense, I think they need as many game reps as they can reasonably get in these games and still spare their bodies and not put them at risk for getting injured. So I do think it's time to, uh, I would go with the natural progression of how these things normally go, where you give Tyrod a little bit more uh, in the second game, and then you let it be a little bit of a dress rehearsal. Now maybe it's the third game where you can take Tyrod out a little bit early and, and throw Baker in with the ones against the ones. Uh, maybe that's a place where you could do that because I think both of those guys may, might end up sitting in the fourth game. And I mean, that game is just, you know, everybody keep your fingers crossed and hope <laughs> no one gets hurt in that game. So maybe the third game, but the other place that you can really reasonably do it is in practice. I mean, you know, why not, uh, you know, give him an opportunity to, you know, to start throwing to the number one guys a little bit more. I mean, you saw what he was able to do with Antonio Callaway, you know, and he is yeah. now, a starting receiver. So um, a little bit more of that, give him a chance to see what it would be like behind the first team line and also more of an opportunity to get rushed and pressure from the Miles Garrett's, the Jamie Collins, the Emmanuel Oslo's of the world. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up that fourth game because so many people I hear it say, Oh, Baker, I'll start the fourth game. I'm kind of with you. I, that sounds, that seems to me like that's a Drew Stanton. That's a Drew Stanton game right there. I know I wouldn't be shocked yeah. if we didn't see Taylor or, or Baker in that game. Yeah, I, I probably, you know, if I were running the show, I would not play either of those guys in that game. I mean, you see right now, every single week, another guy goes down with a torn ACL. Preseason and, and exhibition games are the exact time when that happens. So uh, I I would not do that. I would I would probably just... So, and, you know, that probably has been the plan all along to, you know, have him to this point before the, the preseason opener and then to start to give him a little bit more work just to bring him along. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw it just today. Darius Geis is, is out for the year of the torn ACL. So, I mean, yep. these things, you don't want this stuff to happen in preseason. Um, nope. Let, let's talk about the first team offense. So Tyrod Taylor, you know, very first ball. Uh, a really nice throw with pressure coming in his face, hung in the pocket, delivered a ball to Jarvis Landry. Uh, the Landry got called for taunting on that play, so that kind of killed that drive, any chance to put points on the board. Um, but we saw something we haven't seen a lot of in Cleveland and, and with the Browns, and that is the first-team offense coming out in a preseason game and scoring a touchdown and making things look kind of easy, which is how it's supposed to look in preseason games. You're supposed to be able – to do things like that to in two drives, you know, threaten to score. Of course that penalty sort of negated that, but threaten to score on your first drive, score a touchdown on your second drive. It's supposed to be easy sometimes in the preseason. And it finally looked at least a little bit easy last night. Yeah. Once again, you have an experienced starting quarterback who looks like he knows what he's doing and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's taken a team to the playoffs and he has, a significant amount of starting experience to the tune of a, a 22 and 20 record. And that, you know, that shows up in the heat of the moment. And 
Uh, I did think that was good. And also they went to the no huddle. So he was operating out of the no huddle, changed it up a little bit there. Um, you know, caught the other team off guard a little bit with that. And, um, you know, he went three for three for, I think, 63 yards on that drive, hit three straight passes. And again, nobody's game planning for anybody. Nobody is, uh, you know, blitzing you from all over the place. Nobody's devising complex schemes to, to cross you up and confuse you so that you're not quite sure exactly what you're looking at. But again, it was a good sign that he's completing passes. It's another good sign that Rashard Higgins is stepping up because, look, there's been a lot of attrition at that wide receiver position. I said this on a on Sirius XM radio this morning that, you know, you could just do a whole soap opera or hard knock series just on the receiving room alone. I mean, this has been like <laughs> as the receivers turn, you know, it's been an incredible soap opera there. But one constant has been Rashard Higgins. He just keeps going out there flying under the radar a little bit and, and making plays and good for him because heading into this training camp, who knew if he was even going to make the team? Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that got cut last year um, before he, he, something kind of went his way and he was able to come up against Baltimore. And then he went almost the whole season doing almost nothing. Um, and, and then he had that big game against Pittsburgh. So yeah, he was, he was certainly a question mark coming in, but he's been, you know, Adam Henry said last week, I asked him the, the wide receivers coach, I asked him, um, you know, how, how do you balance what you see on the practice field with what you see in preseason games? And, uh, you know, obviously he talked about how important practice is and practice like you play. And then at the end of his answer, he said, but you've got to do it when the lights come on. And Rashard Higgins did that last night. So that's a good step for Higgins you know, working up the depth chart with the first team, he made plays with the pads on and the lights on. Yeah, he, he really did. And it was, it was good to see just because um, it's been obvious to us how hard he's been working at this. And, um, and they really need him. They really need him to step up right now because you just don't know what you're going to get. In, in fact, uh, John Dorsey, of course, mentioned to us last night before the game that he is, bringing in receivers this week. So he, you know, he's putting the guys that are there on a little bit of notice, but he's going to take a look at veterans and some younger guys. And of course we, we all know by now that Des Bryant will be among those guys. So, you know, like, like Baker Mayfield said last night, time is of the essence for Richard and, and Baker ha- has sort of helped make him into a little bit of a training camp star because the two of those guys have just gone out there and, and lit it up together. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Quarterback play matters. You know, if you have guys who are competent playing that position, it makes everything easier. It just, the ball gets the, the ball gets out on time. It helps the protection. It helps everything work when the quarterback just knows what he's doing and when he can drop back, deliver an accurate ball, get it out quickly, get it out with anticipation it just it makes everything else on the offense run so much more smoothly, and we saw that with both of these guys. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was vitally important too that Antonio Callaway did come back in that second half, Dan, and kind of get it together after everything that he's been through. Uh, he was really rattled in the beginning, not just by everything that he had gone through with his off the field uh, citations and all that stuff, but people need to remember he sat out of football his whole entire last season at Florida. He has, did not play football in more than a year or however long it's been. 
I mean, to sit out that long and to, to come back in there, that has to be really, really difficult. And, you know, I thought he did a great job of, of shaking it off and getting himself turned around there because they are going to need him. They don't know yet exactly when Josh Gordon is coming back. They're being very noncommittal about that. And I think that's, you know, that's by design. I, I don't think anybody wants to put pressure on him to have to come back at any certain time. But with him gone, with Corey Coleman being gone, you need these younger guys to step up. They have to grow up in a hurry. And, and I thought Antonio made some strides yesterday. Yeah, we bugged John Dorsey a little yesterday about Josh Gordon, and he just would not get into specifics about when he's coming back. Um, but, so let's talk about Callaway's situation. Of course, we know about the citation early Sunday morning. Um, I'm sure everyone has, has seen the police videos and things like that. His explanation is out there. Um, John Dorsey said that he and Hugh Jackson uh, believe him. They believe his explanation. Really, at this point, to me, the biggest issue is that he didn't tell the team that they found out the same way that we all found out. Um, you know, that kind of became the biggest issue in all this. They had a long discussion with him. Uh, it was, you know, this is a young kid who, you know, for whatever reason, didn't realize or didn't want to tell the team about what happened. Um, it seems like they've addressed that and we'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I think he really thought that this wasn't going to be much of an issue and that he would be okay. Uh, he's been through worse than this before. And I think that he kind of genuinely thought that, you know, this was just a little bit more than a, a, a traffic stop. I don't think he viewed this as some serious matter whatsoever. And I think the, um, you know, the officer kind of also led him to believe that, that, you know, Hey, you know what? No, you should be okay. You know, kind of downplayed it a little bit too. So maybe that lulled him into a little false sense of security there. Um, because of course, anytime anything like this happens, the first phone call that you have to make is to the Cleveland Browns and their security department and whatnot. So now he knows the drill on that. But like John Dorsey said last night, and I thought he handled it very well. You know, Antonio Callaway is a work in progress. They identified a young man that they believe that he's not a, a bad guy. They don't think he's a bad guy. They don't even think that he smoked weed in this instance. They really believe he's trying to do the right things. And there's a large part of me that, that believes him. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just being my being naive, but he really does seem committed to the Cleveland Browns committed to his daughter who is, you know, months old, not even a year yet. Um, You know, he really wants to be a, a, a better man for her. And again, maybe I'm just, being ridiculously naive about this, but there is, you know, I, I kind of see why they believe his story, which is that he had the car shipped up here and the weed wasn't his and all of that. How about you? You know, having seen the police video, I mean, naturally I was a little cynical at first, <laughs> um, but having watched the full versions, you know, the multiple versions that have been out there of, of the police video, um, it really was easier to believe his side of the story. Um, just kind of the way he was acting again, the officer downplaying it the way he did. Um, I, I tend to believe, you know, I'm kind of with John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson here that, that I tend to believe his side of the story. Um, you know, there's some poor judgment there and whoever he let, you know, if, if this is what happened, whoever he let borrow his car and drive his car around, uh, you probably don't want to let that happen anymore. 
Um, but, you know, I, I do think this was, I, I think I believe his side of the story as well. Well, in, in addition to that, you know, he, he does have to learn, and I think he knows it now, that the players have very few days off in training camp. And when you get one, you really don't want to be out until 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, we don't know the details of that, but Hugh Jackson believes and buys whatever story Antonio gave him about that. Um, but I think he learned his lesson on that. I think he realized, you know what, let's get situated and set with where we're, we're supposed to be and not be out on the road at that hour of night with, you know, and again, the, the bullets and the, the gun strap and things like that are not um, illegal. But still, it's not a good look, it, you know. It's not a good look for a young man who's been in trouble with the law and who, you know, who has unwittingly had some marijuana in the car. It's just, you know, get home at a decent hour, do all the right things, and don't give anybody the opportunity uh, to, to question what you're up to. Yeah, and, and take, take a good look at the, the people around you as well. If, again, if the story right. happened the way it happened, if his car got shipped up from Florida and there was stuff in there that wasn't his, um, that can get him in trouble, you know, you you better take a close look at at the people that are around you when you're away from the Cleveland Browns. Because right now he's around football all the time. Right now he's going to be around this team all the time. But in January, he's going to be sent off for a lot for months. So what's he going to be doing? Who's he going to be hanging around with in those months? So those are the things that he and, and the Browns need to get figured out. Well, those are the same issues that, that Josh Gordon yeah. all, always had. Uh, he was quite often surrounded by the wrong people. And sometimes the people doing the wrong things are your family members. And when, when they are your family members, it's very difficult to, you know, to turn your back on those people. Um, but, they need to have conversations with their family members and their best friends. And they need to say, I've got to be squeaky clean and every, all my ducks have to be in a row and I cannot be caught with anything. And so when you're around me or when you're in my car or when you're in my house, you have to be on the straight and narrow like I am right now, because that's just a zero tolerance place I'm in right now. Yeah. And and look, there's, there's millions of dollars on the line. So everybody needs to be very aware of that, that aspect of it too. Um, Let's talk about some other uh, performances. You know, the one, uh, the one play that really stood out to me defensively, Michael Kendricks got uh, some first team reps yesterday on defense in place of Christian Kirksey. Um, And and he did something we haven't seen a lot from, uh, from Brown's defense. He went and sacked Eli Manning on third down, got the ball back for the offense who went and scored a touchdown. Uh, Michael Kendricks, Mary Kay has, you know, since he's come back, he's starting to push a little bit. We've seen this guy in practice and now in the preseason game, make some plays. Well, that is the exact reason why they acquired Michael Kendricks. And it's also the reason why he came here because he had, he had to have some assurance that he was going to get significant playing time or we, he would not have signed with the Cleveland Browns. He's a starter. He's always been a starter. He's coming off of a Super Bowl, and he's played at a very high level for a, for a very good football team. So there was no way he was signing here unless he knew he was going to come here, make an impact, and achieve some of his goals, which he told us uh, one of those is, is to make the Pro Bowl. 
in order for that to happen, you have to be on the football field. And I think he will be. And I don't know exactly how that's going to play out yet. Uh, maybe they'll move him around and he will uh, just be part of a linebacker rotation, but yet be on the field a ton. Because I do think he will be on the field a lot. Um, you know, we've seen him uh, create pressure from the middle, which is always a good thing. Um, quarterbacks hate that. And, um, you know, we've seen him on the outside. So he can kind of do it all, and he's very experienced. And I, I just think we'll be, we will be seeing more of Michael Kendricks one way or another. Uh, the other player everybody was kind of keeping an eye on yesterday, Joel Batonio at left tackle. Um, I have not had a chance to go back and rewatch the game yet. So whatever I say about Joel, I'm, I'm saying it from, from that perspective. But uh, I didn't see a lot of issues with Joel Batonio at left tackle out there. I didn't see guys beating him around the edge. Uh, you know, he seemed to be, you know, when I talked to him after the game, he seemed to be fairly happy with his performance getting left on an island out at left tackle um it, it's going to be a while with Petonio before we know if he can handle that position because you know we're gonna to have to see what happens when guys get film on him and figure out how to attack him but at first game it didn't seem like there were many issues with Petonio no and if there were we we would know about it you know when you don't hear about an offensive lineman is when you know they're doing a good job so yeah, well, especially uh, at that position exactly but again, you know, like we've said many times in this podcast and others, nobody's game planning for him yet. Nobody's trying to find out his weaknesses. Nobody's attacking him and going after him knowing he's playing a new position. So, you know, when it comes, when push comes to shove and he has to face the opponent's best pass rusher or pass rushers every week, that's when we'll find out what he's made of and if he, if he is the right guy for the job. I mean, he's so solid in so many ways that I do think he is the best option right now. But um, we might not know for three, four weeks how this is really going to go down. Yeah, everybody just needs to remember Spencer Durango came out in his first start at left tackle and was pretty good against Minnesota. And then all of a sudden there was tape out on him and, and things went downhill from there. Now, Batonio is a better, just a better player, you know, more athletic, a, a better fit at left tackle than Durango was. But, um, you know, so far so good for, uh, for Joel Batonio. Um, I'm trying to look here, see if we – oh. Now let's talk about those taunting penalties real quick too. Um, depending who you who you see on Twitter, some people were bugged by it. Other people thought the flags were not really merited. Did you have an issue with those? You know, once again, like you said, I haven't. I have not rewatched the game yet to the to the extent that I want to. And I I tried to watch them again during the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, and anytime you are caught taunting it's going to hurt your football team so yeah I I do have I do have a little bit of a problem with that I was actually surprised that Denzel Ward didn't get called for for helmet to face mask contact that's the thing that that I thought the penalty was going to be for and I wonder if we won't hear a little more about that as um you know as, as we go along here but uh, that's the thing that that stood out to me I was actually surprised that it was taunting and not lowering the helmet yeah I, I think we all kind of assumed when we saw the replay at least in the press box that it was going to be that type of penalty but, but he flexed he kind of flexed at the receiver after the hit um and, and that's what they got him for uh for a taunt and with Landry he said that he was told that he spun the ball um at the receiver's feet which, which was the penalty there Landry's an emotional guy uh we know he's kind of got that swagger a little bit he always kind of walks that line 
Um, so, you know, again, he <laughs> said all the right things after the game, uh, but, but he plays with a lot of emotion. And I think, you know, I think some of that is kind of just the package that comes with Jarvis Landry a little bit. You're going to get a guy that can make plays, but every now and again, maybe you just have to be ready to deal with something like that. Well, and they are going to have to be ready to deal with that because those are some of the reasons why he's not in Miami anymore, truthfully. So they are going to have to get a handle on that and make sure that he's not hurting the team in any way because that was a really nice catch. That was a nice play. It was a great way to start off the drive. But then, you know, you take almost half those yards away with that penalty, and it's not worth it. So uh, he's got to keep his cool. We've seen him lose his cool before. We've seen him, uh, you know, have issues there in Miami, and that sort of stuff can't happen here. And I don't think that uh, the offensive coaches here will tolerate it either. Okay. So uh, there we go. That is our recap of the first preseason game. I'm sure we missed something, but uh, I think we covered all the big things. Uh, You know, we we mentioned Denzel Ward. Didn't see a lot out of him um, because he wasn't out there very much. The ball didn't go his way very much. Um, uh, Jabril Peppers started. That was a little, maybe not a surprise, but, uh, you know, we've been seeing Derek Kindred there for the most part. Uh, but those are maybe a couple other things that we missed. But I think we I think we hit everything on this game. Well, one other thing that we probably could could and should mention is we've talked so much about the running game, and you oh, yeah. saw Nick Chubb out there, you know, not being able to to churn out any yards and to get stopped for no gain quite a bit, and um, that was a little dis- bit disappointing. But you really have to take into consideration that he was working behind the second and third team line again. He was working against backups. But I don't think that you can really judge his running ability off of this game. Yeah, so there's a stat that's been going around um, that said, uh, I believe it was Pro Football Focus that figured it out. He actually had 26 yards after contact yesterday. And he ended the game with, let me find it here, 11 yards. So what that tells you is he was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage an awful lot. Um, So that second team offensive line was a little bit of a mess. Yeah, so it'll you know he probably for a little confidence booster deserves to to work behind the first team line a little bit just to make sure that as a rookie that he's not um, that he, his confidence isn't taking a little hit here. So I would I would do whatever it takes to kind of get him back rolling along this week. And and of course we got to mention David Njoku. That was a, a excellent game from him uh, back in New Jersey. Um, that was it was good to see him make those plays because he had the drop issues early in camp um had been bouncing back a little bit and to see him kind of be the unstoppable player he can be because of the way he's built uh that that was certainly good to see as well well i think those uh four drops that one day in practice early on were almost a blessing in disguise not only did he get them out of the way early I think it it made him come back with more of a steely resolve to get that turned around and to not be dropping that ball. And ever since that day, uh, which was, again, one of the very first days of camp, he really has gotten it turned around in practice, and now we saw it on the practice field. And he had uh, at least two guys, you know, that he had to jump up. That was a a contested ball that he fought for uh, in the end zone from Baker Mayfield. Uh, It was actually – probably more like triple coverage and um and and he hung on and he he made that big play and that's exactly what they need from him 
Okay, so that is the Browns' first preseason game. They are off again on Saturday, uh, back at it Sunday, four practices in a row, and then it is preseason game number two against who else? Of course, the Buffalo Bills and uh, old friend Corey Coleman Friday night uh, over at First Energy Stadium. There's always a storyline. <laughs> yeah, and and who knows, Dan, by then maybe Des Bryant will be wearing a Browns uniform. Maybe Des Bryant will be wearing a Browns uniform. Oh, of course, A.J. McCarron. Josh Allen, both playing in oh, that yeah. game. <laughs> Who knew a Browns-Bills preseason game could carry so many storylines? Yeah, storylines are plenty. And, of course, we haven't even really mentioned, it will all be chronicled on Hard Knocks, second episode coming up on Tuesday at 10. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode because the Coleman trade will be in there. The Callaway stuff should be in there. Yep. It's, yep. it's going to be an interesting episode. All right, so we will um, – try and get one of these recorded during the week before that Bills game, and then we'll be back after the Bills game as well to, to recap what we saw there. Uh, everybody, thanks. Oh, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all of that fun stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>